Welcome to the Beyond Your Money podcast with Mike Dukovich, financial advisor and retirement income certified professional with RBC Wealth Management. Join us as we share the tools and insight that can help you take control of your money and your life. Because we believe life's greatest returns are realized when you invest beyond your money. And welcome to the Beyond Your Money podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Mike Dukovich. I'm a financial advisor, a retirement income certified professional, and a certified plan fiduciary advisor with RBC Wealth Management. For those of you who've tuned in before, welcome back. But for anyone that's listening for the first time, this podcast is designed to help you take control. And we do that by not only discussing a financial topic that is timely and relevant and applicable to your own wealth plan, but we will also discuss an important topic that goes beyond your money. Today's podcast is the first of a series where we are going to focus entirely on helping you get your life organized. First, we're going to talk about the importance of staying organized with regards to your financial affairs, specifically discussing what you should do with all the stuff that you get in the mail regarding your various financial accounts. Then we're going to dive a bit deeper into the importance of being organized in general. And in order to do so, I've invited Jill Yesko to the show. Jill is the founder and president of Discover Organizing, a Pittsburgh-based business that focuses on helping individuals, families, and businesses get organized, ultimately helping them become more productive and efficient as a result. It's a topic that I'm incredibly excited to talk about because I know that everyone listening is going to be able to learn something that will immediately help them in their own lives. But before we get to Jill, I want to talk about the importance of staying organized with your financial affairs, specifically talking about document retention. I get asked all the time by clients, what is all this stuff? All the stuff that I get in the mail, all the the statements and the confirms and the prospectuses and the proxies, are they important? Do I need to keep them? If so, how long do I keep them for? I get asked this time and time again. And what I tell people is this, just like anything else, when you're organized, it makes for a much more efficient a much more enjoyable experience. And it's exactly the same with regards to your financial records. The first thing I try to tell people is that it's important that you know what you have and where it's held. And what I mean by that is you want to know what accounts you have and where the money is. For example, you might have an IRA, you might have a 401k through your employer, you may have a brokerage account, You may have 529 college savings plans. You want to know what accounts you have and where the money is. That's first and foremost. If, and and this is something that would depend on your own unique situation, and it's only something I recommend if it makes sense for that particular client. But if we can find ways to consolidate, it could make a lot of sense and it could make your life a lot more organized. For For example, I run into people that have changed jobs numerous times throughout the years. and, And as a result, They may have multiple 401ks or IRAs all over the place. And if after I analyze the situation and I I talk about the pros and the cons with that client, if it makes sense to consolidate all those accounts into one IRA, it could dramatically help a person's wealth plan simply by eliminating the number of accounts and, and by consolidating like assets into one account, which would make it significantly easier to manage. Now, with regards to the actual stuff that you get in the mail, I always tell people to keep everything together so that it's easy to locate. You, you don't want things all over the place because if you actually need that information, you want to know exactly where it is so that you can easily find it quickly and efficiently. With regards to the documents themselves, 
when you're talking about statements, for example, I usually coach a client to use this system. Now, this is simply my system. It, it's my opinion. And, and so it's certainly not the only way that you can do this, but I find that it works for most of my clients. You want to keep those statements in one place, whether it's in a file folder or in a binder with the most recent statement on top. And as new statements come in, they go right on top of the older statements. That way you can always know that the most recent statement is always the first one you will see when you open the binder. You keep operating like that throughout the year until the year end statement comes, the 1231 statement. When you get that, you keep that one in your binder and then you remove and, and purge all of the previous statements from earlier that year. The reason is because the year end statement typically gives you the entire year's worth of relevant information, which allows you to purge everything else. And as you do this year after year, you'll not only stay organized, you'll end up with a binder that ultimately has the year end statement going back through time. And that ultimately also gives you a great way of tracking long-term performance over time. Now, with regards to confirmations, I typically recommend that you review the confirmation first and foremost to, to make sure that everything is accurate with the trades or the transactions that took place. And if so, then you can purge that confirmation. It, it just, it doesn't make sense to keep confirmations for a number of reasons, especially because they can really start to add up if you have actively managed portfolios, but also because you can almost always go back and get those confirmations from a website if you ever need them. And that goes for statements as well, really. If for whatever reason you need a specific statement and you didn't have it, you can usually download it and print it from your websites. I think that for so many people out there, one of the reasons they keep everything or they start to hoard statements and, and confirmations is that they never really know when they may need it. And they're afraid of not having it if they do need it. Well, if you're organized and if you understand that most of these things can, can be accessed online typically, you can feel a lot more comfortable purging these items before they start to pile up. And with regards to purging, you want to shred this stuff, okay? You never want to throw anything out in the trash if it has PII on it, personally identifiable information. Things like your name, your birth date, your social security number, the account numbers. If you, if you have items with this information and you need to purge it, you want to make sure that you shred it to be safe. Getting and keeping your financial affairs organized is critical to staying on top of things. And it's very important in ensuring that your wealth plan stays on the right track. It's something that I try to convey to all of my clients. Along those same lines, it's important to keep your life in general as organized as possible. And to help us understand why, I'd like to bring Jill Yesko to the show. Again, Jill is the founder and president of Discover Organizing. With a background in social work and human resources, she founded Discover Organizing in 2003, founded on principles of compassion and education, helping those in need learn how to create lasting systems of organization. She is a member of the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals, the National Association of Senior Move Managers, and the Association of Professional Photo Organizers. She has her certified professional organizer designation and frequently presents at conferences and training seminars throughout the country. Jill, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. This is so exciting. I love talking about organizing. So thanks for inviting me. I can't wait to have this discussion because I said at the beginning, I know that everyone out there is going to be able to learn something from this show and certainly be able to immediately put it into practice with their own lives. So before we dive in, Jill, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you, about your background, about your business, and we'll get started from there. 
Okay, great. So I was actually born in the Philadelphia area. And I mentioned that only because I, that is where I did all of my social work and case management. So I came from a place uh, after I graduated from Villanova in 1990, I immediately went into case management and social work. And the thing I loved about practicing that in, in that area is because it really, everything from Philadelphia County and Montgomery County, I learned a lot about the family dynamic and about family routines. And that's gonna tie in a little bit later in our discussion is about how you know the family uh, dynamic really plays a big part in our daily, you know keeping things organized, getting organized, everything from meal planning to paper management to financial uh, awareness. And um, you know what a big what a big lesson I learned as a young person helping these families and just helping them learn about ways to manage uh, their budgets for groceries, for utility bills, for rent, and um, that was such a good, good, good basis for being a professional organizer. Also, it didn't hurt for me to learn how to go into a family home and kind of navigate that, that dynamic in, it, in and of itself where you're going in to basically help them, but not do for them. And as a case manager who was not part of a mandated service like children and youth or anything like that. We were, we were actually county employees, but we were kind of a voluntary service. So if people wanted us there to help them manage those finances and manage, help them with the conduct of their kids and just how, how things would work in their home, then that was all voluntary. And we did not have to stay, but they loved having us there. And that was, that was really, that was a really cool aspect about my job. Later down the line, you know, I, at that point I was married. I had two kids. Um, I was an army wife. We got stationed in Pittsburgh after living in Panama. And that taught me a lot about, you know, moving around a lot as an army wife taught me a lot about transitioning and being sure. organized for your home and having two young children to manage their things and, um, just being an army wife in and of itself, an army spouse, you do, the burden sometimes does fall on the civilian because the, the military personnel are really pulled in so many different directions. So administratively, you're sort of the home manager as well because you have to support that person when they're um, called to duty, called to a tour, um, and, and they're not living in the home for months, if not years at a time. So you know, there's, there's a lot that kind of falls on that, that military spouse or partner. So I learned a lot that way. And then um, I fell into being a, um, a human resources director at a psychiatric hospital here in Pittsburgh um, through years of, you know, case management, case management coordination, recruiting for case managers. Um, I sort of just elevated into administrative uh, social work and then administrative HR. So that's, that's kind of how that worked, but really those two careers combined completely, I feel completely prepared me to work inside that home environment, to work with people on getting, you know, administrative things. And, and life is a lot of admin, to be honest with you. 
it's a lot of administrative work to not only manage your financials, but to make sure you have enough groceries in your home, to making sure your home is maintained, whether you have an apartment or you're paying a mortgage, you still have to maintain your environment. You still have to make your own doctor's appointments and dental appointments. And that's administration. You're administering your life. So that's, I'm really grateful for both of those backgrounds. And in 2003, I was that last mom at the daycare really running in, you know, with my briefcase, feeling guilty at 629, the daycare closed at 630. And my kids were sitting there with their little backpacks on, on a cafeteria bench with like the last light of the cafeteria on in the after-school program and, and a very irritated daycare worker, after-school worker. And I said, something has to change. Like I cannot be this mom anymore. So this is why I started my business. So I could be home from, you know, take them to school. And then it, 315 when they ran through the back door I was I was there and I was able to do that with this business so that was that was a gift for sure thank you so much for sharing that background I think it's so interesting how people their their jobs are actually a result of of different life circumstances and it, it I can definitely see how you ended up where you're where you're at now because of you know, just being uh, the army spouse and then also you know working through the HR issues that you had earlier in your career something you said at the very beginning really intrigued me. And, and it was something along the lines of, you know, this is something that you're not necessarily taught specifically out there in the real world. You know, this is something you basically see, you learn, you smell, and you kind of pick up through your own family situation. And, and, and it right. could be a very good one or a very bad one. And, and I think, um, you know, that, that something that really resonated, you know, we're not getting this kind of like, you know, how I've spoken many times about this on my podcast, we're not getting that finance 101 type of training, that real world, here's what you need to know with regards to money type of training. We're also not getting here's what you should be doing and considering and and trying to get your life organized type of training. I I think that's pretty interesting that you brought that up. You're not being taught this specifically anywhere unless it's through your own family network. Right. And we do hear that quite a lot, you know, with my clients um, and our company's clients, they'll say, you know, I wish there was a class or a course in high school or even in middle school and, and maybe even in college. Do you, do you guys teach like college courses in this? And I'm like, no, but we've been through my association, the national association of productivity and organizing professionals. We've been really making some strides, making some headways, getting some course material, into some colleges and universities on, you know, kind of life 101, like getting, getting your, you know, I remember, I remember going to a, um, my high school, they had an accounting, (laughs) an accounting class. And that's where I learned how to write a check and how to balance my checkbook. And I remember going, wow, this is really hard. And it's it's funny you mentioned that I, not, uh, not more than two years ago, I had to help a a 21 year old actually figure out how to write a check for the first time. So that skill has been lost throughout the, throughout the the test of time. So I I get it. I think that is something that everyone should learn. And and I'm sure you're going to be able to tell us some stuff that we should know from a, from an organizational standpoint as well. This is going to sound like a dumb question, but yeah. What is a professional organizer? What do you do? Tell oh, us about that's, that. 
That's a, that's a great question. Um, a lot of people assume that professional organizers are people that you hire to make you throw things away. And that is not <laughs> a valid description of what we do. So a, um, a professional organizer's main, main job is to help their clients by transferring a set of skills that the client desires in terms of organizing. So let's say it's time management. Let's say you're that, you're that last person that shows up for lunch or to a meeting or gets their report into their boss and is late with, you know, running a project or just running, just running behind in their life. It could be, you know, a stay-at-home professional. It could be a professional that's out in the field and they're constantly late. We can work on that. That's our, that's our job is to transfer the skill of managing time and projects to you. That's one example. Another example is if your house feels like it is in control of you and you're not in control of it, we'll come in and redefine some spaces with you and kind of tame the clutter, get rid of things that are no longer of value to you with you deciding that. And we guide those decisions and help you come up with a plan together because, you know, we're going to leave. We're going to, you're only going to see us for a little while, unless, you know, you have signed on for our maintenance program, then we're going to kind of do a one-off with you. We're going to come in, um, maybe help you to reconfigure a space like a garage, a basement, an attic, a master bedroom, a spare bedroom, whatever it is, we're going to come in and maybe reconfigure some things and set up some really great systems with you. But unless we transfer that skill of where does this go? What is this? And going through our litany of questions that, that usually are little mantras that we do with our clients and helping them to really self-navigate once we're gone. Um, you know, if we don't do that properly, then you're going to have some backsliding. And, and we are, we're trying to prevent that as much as we can. We know it's going to happen. Um, but if we can try to minimize that, then, then that's a really good outcome. If the person says, you know, I've kept it up for the most part a year later, I'm really happy to hear that. Sometimes yeah, that's great. I, so, I'm sorry. You know, so you're giving them the foundation and the tools right. to do this themselves forever. You're, you're kind of right. a consultant type of, of basis in that regard. Yes. We're training them in their own home to use their own things to really enjoy their space and to enjoy their, you know, roommates, family members, spouses, partners, whoever, you know, we work with a lot of, um, you know, single parents that are trying to juggle a lot of things and um, having the ability to have, you know, routines that work and have everybody have a job in the house. Like I, I had to go in one time and work a single parent, work with a single parent to put a chore chart in place because, you know, she was doing everything. And I'm like, mm -hmm. your, ki your kids are 10 and 12. You know, they're capable of doing these age appropriate chores. Let me show you what I mean. And I always bring resources with me. Do you see here in this book, it says that a 10 year old can do the following chores. Let's give, you know, let's ease into it. Let's not like be go, go black and white here and like, you know, freak the kids out, but sure. you can, you can do little, little things that will, give that child a sense of responsibility and a sense of ownership and therefore a sense of pride and the fact that they're contributing to the success of the household 
And it, it actually only ends up going well when that happens. And it, you know, if it's done right, then you, you, uh, you can really engage all the members of the household in the organizing plan. And that's really fun to watch from, from a perspective, you know, my perspective, it's really fun to watch. Absolutely. I bet my kids are a little young, but I will definitely bring you back into our <laughs> house when I'm ready to start putting them to work. I think that's great. Who typically hires you are, are, are the, the people that have the issue that have the need that have these concerns are, are, is that your client or do you typically find that a loved one or, or a spouse or a neighbor or a friend is hiring you on behalf of somebody else? How does that work? Well, I would say 90% of the time we get a call from the client themselves. Um, it never works out well to have a family member call in on behalf of the person that's disorganized or unorganized um, in gotcha. their opinion, because it's um, considered, you know, an insult for the most part, when somebody shows up at your house that you didn't invite in because it was a gift card. And I'm only saying <laughs> that because my first year of business, I did not ask the right questions when someone hired me as a gift. And when I showed up, that person was not excited to see me. Mm at all, but they ended up becoming one of my best clients. And I love her to death to this day. We still, um, keep in contact. So we were able to move past that (laughs) shock, but it was sort of like reality TV without the cameras. It was super uncomfortable. Um, so it's always a really good idea. You know, if you care about someone, you know, you can always call us and we'll give you some guidance and tips about, you know, how to, start that conversation, that difficult conversation with someone that is making it a little unbearable for you to be living in the same space as they are. Or if it's somebody that you're visiting, that you're seeing some, you know, uh, maybe some shopping addictions or some stuff encroaching in hallways. And and that's a different level, you know, disorganization altogether. Then, you know, I should explain that there's two major types of disorganization. There's the situational, which is like, you just had a baby, things are all over the place, or you just moved and you work full time and it's really hard to unpack all the boxes and work full time and take care of the kids and, and, and maybe take care of your mom or whatever you're doing. And maybe you're in the sandwich generation and you're just running ragged. So there's, that's the situation you're in, but chronically when you're disorganized, it's something you've probably been experiencing since you were young. Mm -hmm. And you've probably heard about it from roommates in college. You know, you've probably gotten into a few arguments with roommates and spouses and partners because of the stuff that just is laying around and really piling up. And your stuff has probably been moved and shuffled by someone that cares about you, but just can't look at it anymore. Or unfortunately, someone might have pitched some things that belong to you because they can't look at it anymore. So (laughs) you have, you have those, you know, chronically disorganized situations and yes, we get called into both. So to answer your question, our typical client is really anyone that needs help with either type of um, disorganization. Well, that's good to know. And and I guess at what point should a person realize when they need help? At what point should they be, you know, discussing these problems? At what point should they be calling you and, and looking to hire a professional organizer? Is there is there that aha moment with most people? Yeah, there's usually a breaking point. I, I would call it a tipping point, but that's not when we get the call. It's usually when they've they've passed the tipping point and they've fallen over and it's at the breaking mm, point. Sure. Um, it's 
it's usually, I would say most of the times we get calls about organizing is when someone has misplaced something so very important to them and they are just so tired of looking for it. Um, so it's in other words, like a stock certificate, you know, an important mm -hmm. document, it would have been a life changer if they could have found it in time. Sure. And yep. they realized that they didn't, they didn't make a deadline and they get fired. They um, are legally separated from their spouse. Uh, the spouse has just left because they can't stand the clutter anymore. Um, sometimes we get calls that they're facing eviction. Sometimes we get calls saying, um, my daughter won't come and visit me anymore. And I miss her and I need her and she won't come because I have too much stuff and I'm, she's embarrassed. Um, you know, there's so many levels of, you know, we've now gone past the point where we can do something about it. We need professional help. We need a consultation with someone. And sometimes that's what I'll say. You know, sometimes all you need is an hour with one of us and we'll set you in the right direction, give you lots of ideas and you can do it independently or you can have us come back. And we always schedule three sessions on the calendar just so we, you know, we're gonna be there for you three times. Um, and we can always keep that momentum going, but at least we, we have those three sessions on the book. So you know that it isn't a one-stop fix. It never is. There's always issues below the issues mm -hmm. and then they're harboring other issues. So we have to kind of do some digging with our clients, but in a non-clinical way. Of course, yep. So we, we really work very hard at um, helping them with that original organizing assessment, coming up with what are their priorities. It's very important for professional organizers, you, even if people are listening to this saying, you know, I wanna be a professional organizer. I say, yes, absolutely. But just understand that your agenda is not their agenda. So we may walk into a house and go, oh, I want to clean up that dining room so bad so they can have a beautiful Thanksgiving meal with their family. But that's not why they called me. They called <laughs> right. me because they can't manage their um, work at home space and it's full of papers and toys and files and junk and tchotchkes and they don't know how it happened. And they just, they need to think and they need to make money and they need to work in that space. And so as much as we would love to tear into that dining room space or get their kitchen really, you know, really organized and functional and systematized and standardized and shiny. No, that's not why we're there. We're there to create order where it matters most to that client. Gotcha. And so each, each situation is different. Each client's need is different. Each consultation is different. And so it's a matter of you adapting your services and expertise and guidance to, to fit that client. That makes a lot of sense. Very similar to what we do. I mean, everything, everything that we do is something that, you know, is universal to some, some regard, but everyone's situ situation is completely unique. And so it, you have to kind of rely on your education, your experience, products, and the tools that are available at your disposal and create these customized plans. That's, that's very similar to what we do as well. Right. Now, like you have your set of best practices about financial management. And so do we, we exactly. have our own best practices about yes, you know, you may see that as a cookie cutter, you know, but we, we always see that cookie cutter best practice as the very simplest way to handle something. And then, as you know, you customize your solutions with each of your clients, depending on their 
level of, you know, risk, uh, you know, if what they're able to do with that, plus so many other factors that you consider about what their needs are. And we do the same thing. Absolutely. I, I think it's so intriguing how similar your vision, your process, your your techniques are to what we do. Um, it's very interesting. And lots of and parallels. Yep. Absolutely. I, I think that, um, you know, ultimately, as, as we dive into this discussion, and, and I, I failed to mention, this is this is actually only part one of a, of a two-part series. And, and in part two, we're going to talk to Jill about a lot of the different services that they actually provide, um, whether that's downsizing and moving or, or photo and memorabilia organizing or virtual organizing. We're going to talk about all these various things. But if I can ask you just to highlight one quick process or one quick um, item that is on your to-do list with regards to the world of finance. If you had to give some some quick tips on how your services assist a person as they try to improve their financial habits, you know, what would those be? Well, you know, there's such, it's such a wide reaching question for me, but I am going to try to narrow it down. And we can, um, we can hash this out a little <laughs> bit further on part two as well. But if you yeah, had to give us the yeah, Reader's Digest. Yes, exactly. Because I think in part two, we're going to be talking more about the older generations. Um, mm -hmm. Because yep. when you have 50 years of papers and statements versus maybe 10 to 20 years of papers and statements, it is a, a very different um, landscape of paper that I walk into. Well, yeah. So I would just say, and I, and I have done this a lot, we have a, a best practice for this. And it is that we, when we get that call and people say, I really need help managing my finances. They're not looking for financial advice from us. That's, that's for you to do, right? We, we send them to their financial advisor. Sure. What we do is we have a whole system where just like anything else, we gather all the documents together and you touched on this in your introduction, but making sure that we see everything. So sometimes what we found is that people are living amongst their archives. So what we'll do is we'll say, we just need to keep everything in front of you that's within hands reach. So fingertip reach. So either on your laptop or in a drawer next to where you're sitting about what's currently going on in your financial life and yep. what your, what your hopes and dreams are. Those like now in the future should be near you. And what happened then needs to be behind you or it needs that. to be, you know, away from you because you can't change it. It's done. But to your point, I, I do exactly what you recommend. I have them, you know, when we do gather all of those financial statements, we keep the year end statement. And I say, if you really like to analyze, if you really like to look backwards in this current file folder, we are just going to put last year's year end statement. Mm -hmm. And then yep. we're going to make a file called year end statements, and we're going to put the decade on it. And so we create like 2000, 2010 to 2020, so to speak, or 2019. And then 2020, we'll go to 2029. And that's, that's what we'll put for the year end statements. So they're not fat folders, they're not supposed to be. But at least they provide that snapshot for those people that it may not be comfortable going into their computers and doing a filtered search in their online portfolio. Yep. So I if love it's that easier advice. for them, yeah, it's just, it's just, you have the fingertips, you know, just have those, that information, their fingertips, we can make that happen. And we always say, we're going to do whatever works for you. In other words, if there's some people that say, 
I really want to keep 10 years worth of taxes. And I mean, everything I'm like, not a problem. But from that year back from that 11th year back, we're just going to keep the return. Is that a good compromise? Absolutely. So we try to work within people's preferences, even though exactly what you said is true. And yes, it is your opinion. And but it's based on, you know, years and years of, of working in the financial sector for you. We follow best practices as well. We follow the recommendation of the IRS at all times. We really work hard um, with that person's accountant. If that person wants to be on the team with us, we'll put in a call and say, hi, I'm a professional organizer. I'm working with so-and-so. Can we have 15 minutes of your time? These are the documents that I have found. Do you have copies of these? May we? And having that conversation, it eliminates that barrier and closes the gap of fear which I find when there is any type of ignorance of any kind, there's fear because we don't have that information. And so we hold on to things because we don't know where it is and we don't know how if we can get it again. Absolutely. So we, I think that's the biggest issue my clients have is I don't, I don't know if I'll need this. I might need right. this at some point. I might need this someday. I might need this someday. And, um, it, and it is fear-based 100%. But once they realize how simple it is to either log on and look at it or to preserve just, you know, what it exactly is that they need to feel safe, there's always a compromise buried in there somewhere and we can find it with them. And that way they're not maybe holding on to four filing cabinet drawers worth of stuff or 20 file boxes from, you know, Office Max that talk about, you know, their entire financial history, including their Duquesne light bill from 1988, <laughs> which I've seen. Sure. You know, and I'm like, well, have you gone back and looked at this? No, no. but I need it. Okay. We'll talk to me. Let's talk a little bit about that. And so we really drill down into the why, and then we get into the how, and then right. we put that together. So anyway, in terms of actual steps, you know, definitely gathering everything together, purging old things that are non-relevant and do not matter anymore, especially for someone in your life that is not part of your life anymore due to, um, you know, a divorce or due to a death that you don't need to, to preserve, you know, those utility bills or those forms or those documents anymore, provided they're not part of a legal situation. There's, you know, no need as you know, to hold on to those, um, those documents. So we put them aside for shredding. Um, and then we create a central location, just like you mentioned, for all of your records. So we make an actual financial box. If it's somebody that is going back and forth to their financial advisor a lot, we'll make a Pendaflex Pile Smart little mm -hmm. kit, and it has all their basics, their top 10 basics that they have to have with them. We put that together and we keep it fresh. We keep the most current things on top. And at the end of the year, they only have an inch worth of paper that has all their topics divided. They get a new pen to flex pile smart and they fill that up for the next year. And we do that. And then every time their accountant needs something, they're like, I have it all in my pen to flex and it's all orderly because that's what we do as professional organizers is we create that structure and that order. And finally we create the access because yeah, I why think that's great. organize something if you're not going to get it again? Absolutely. I, I think that's great. I, I'm going to actually recommend that clients come and talk to you as I engage with new clients myself, because when a client comes in organized, it makes my life so much easier. Jill, we're, we're running out of time for this foundational show. I can't wait to talk sure. about, you know, all of the details, all of the processes, everything else that you guys do with, with regards to 
to, to your company and how you helped your clients specifically in, in episode two. Uh, but before we go, what else would you like to make sure our listeners know about you and your company right away? Well, I guess I want everybody to know that we're here for them. And the way to reach out to us, anytime you can go on our website, www.discoverorganizing.com. You can always email me, jill at discoverorganizing.com. At any time, you can call our office, 412-344-3450. We're here Monday through Friday during the day, but you know we respond to emails all the time. We are here to answer questions, to field ideas, just to help and direct you in the right, in the right place. Because sometimes it might not be us. Sometimes it might be another type of professional that you're looking for. Thanks, Jill. That's awesome. I, I really appreciate it. That's all the time we have for, for episode one. Uh, again, make sure you all tune into episode two as we get down to some of the nitty gritty and, and, and talk about some of these things that Jill and her team can really help you with. Uh, if we've learned anything from today's discussion, it's the notion that a well-organized lifestyle is an incredibly important factor in living a healthy, successful, and personally rewarding life. And to that extent, as you're getting your financial affairs organized, it's critical that you consult with professionals that are qualified to help in that aspect of your life as well. There are so many components to a wealth plan and so many different products and investments and strategies that are out there that it's simply in your best interest to engage with a financial advisor before trying to do it on your own. That said, if you or a loved one need some help or some guidance with regards to your own personal wealth plan, or if you're simply interested in learning more about me or my practice, please reach out by calling 724 933-4446 or emailing me at michael.dukovich at rbc.com and that's d-u-k-o-v-i-c-h or you can simply visit the website at michaeldukovich.com. Remember, I'm looking to work with people that understand you shouldn't be doing it alone. People who value the plan and people that recognize that life's greatest returns are only realized when you invest beyond your money. So remember, it's your money, it's your life take control. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Your Money podcast with financial advisor, Mike Dukovich. Make sure you click the subscribe button now so you will be notified when new podcasts are released. If you want to know more about working with Mike, please call 724-933-4446 or visit michaeldukovich.com. It's your money. It's your life. Take control. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RBC Wealth Management. All opinions and estimates constitute the speaker's judgment as of the date of this recording and are subject to change without notice and are provided in good faith but without legal responsibility. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial services provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. RBC Wealth Management does not provide tax or legal advice. All decisions regarding the tax or legal implications of your investment should be made in connection with your independent tax or legal advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. 
It is not possible to invest directly in an index. Investment and insurance products offered through RBC Wealth Management are not insured by the FDIC or any other federal government agency, are not deposits or other obligations of or guaranteed by a bank or any bank affiliate, and are subject to investment risks, including the possible loss of the principal amount invested. RBC Wealth Management is a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, and SIPC.